We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Chris Hammond, and joined with me today, we have the Professor Brian Marceau. How are you, Brian? Doing great, man. Closing out the season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, close. We got a game and, and, and a review, but... It's, it's knocking on the door. Uh, we also have Alex, the boat boatman. Alex, how are you today? Pleasure being back. It's been a little while. It's been a busy couple weeks. So, yeah, you've uh, been lots happened setting. since I've been back on. I kind of. Yeah, car setting. Um, yeah. And running the show from the shadows, producer Dammer, Dallas Hammer. How the hell are you? I am fantastic. My Anaheim Ducks are the second worst team in hockey, but they didn't trade the captain for a bag of peanuts, my favorite player ever. So I, I'm in a pretty good emotional state right now. And oh. and joining us is a man who probably roots for the Arizona Coyotes, but more importantly, roots for NAU and runs the NAU Sports Show, recently rebranded NAU Sports Show. Also, the only other one that's live on YouTube at the moment. Um, and the Northern Arizona affiliate from the Big Sky Podcast Network, Casey Everett. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing? Good. Well, I, I think now we've all posed the question. Are you a Coyotes fan? You know, I've only been to two hockey games. Correction. Three hockey games in my life. Um. I mean, I support, it, for the most part, any and all Arizona teams. I think they're great. Um, maybe minus the Suns. But, you know, yeah. Hockey's fun if you want something to do, I guess. In person, it's fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I just feel like Arizona is such a weird place to have a hockey team. As somebody who for years wanted the Coyotes to relocate to Seattle, uh, I was always like, that makes no sense to me. Like, I don't think Florida should have a hockey team. It should be like there's a lot of football east of the Mississippi and south of the Mason-Dixon. There should be a lot of hockey, like, you know, where it snows. What's your, what's your thoughts on Vegas having the Golden Knights? It's a great it's a, show. It's a show town. That's what they do. Yeah. They, they, they do shows. Kind of like what we are hoping this show will be. Because we're also show folks, and this show is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky Cold Snack, an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky Country. Best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky Cold Snacks donates eight percent of profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. Sporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks. The Light American Lager for Pow Pow Rippers, Gator Wranglers, Pony Riders, and Badass Do-Gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Let's get into Around the Bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. Um, all right. 
very short thoughts on the Eastern Lost Boatman since you were not a part of our live reaction show. Yeah, part of it. I only caught most of the half. I, I coach club baseball in Seattle, and we had games on Saturday. And I am had a game. All right, I'll check the Idaho score. It's like, holy shit, it's at halftime. I'm shocked. Caught it on the caught it on the radio on the way back. Uh, caught the quarter at home. Um, you know, props to Paul and that coaching staff for offense out of thin air that didn't exist until last Sunday. Right? Uh, they kind of. I had heard this was happening Monday. Um, you know, was like, are this happening? Are we actually playing Zach Borsch at quarterback? I'm gonna look, and everything I heard is like it looks great in practice. But you just know, transitioning to the game, right? Um, I'd have gone better, honestly. I don't know what else I could have hoped for except maybe some defensive stops. Um, just what me is, is I'm just really, guys, it was the fourth quarter, touchdown, and Patrino punts it in two. When we had run the ball down Eastern all day, right? Just kill them with the run. It's fourth and two. We're at the field, I want to say. Four, there you go, score a touchdown. Two scores in the fourth quarter. It's killer. Um, what an athlete. Um, he he single-handedly pretty much won that game for Eastern, right? Um, it's pretty much a, a, one of the best quarterback duels we've seen in a long time in the Big Sky or in Idaho. Yeah, it's been the Big Sky. Um, I know the teams disappointed the last two weeks. I haven't given breakdowns the last after Idaho State. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's never you have to play when you play four backs in a five games, but the guys feel so uh, they know that the last game of this, of this spring and they'll probably get a month or two off back at it. And they're super excited for the fall. There's really good feeling in and around this program of where it's headed. Probably um, the best it's felt in a while on where on optimism so, um, quarterback competition this summer and fall, so be it. And the best man win, it's going to be, right? Um, I, I think this show, um, Paul Petrino took some football and dropped off again out of thin air. Yeah. Um, so moving on to NAU, because obviously that's why we have uh, our guest, Casey Everett, on today is to talk about the, the Lumberjacks. But uh, beat reporter for the Lewiston Tribune, Colton Clark, tweeted out on Monday that uh, it, it kind of points to Zach Borish making his second start, which would he would actually ironically be uh, one of two quarterbacks for the Vandals to have two starts this season. We've played four dudes in five games, and it looks like we'll have started two dudes in six games. So... Real quick, guys, uh, indications kind of on what Boris is Boris going to be the starter? Is that what we think? Are we going to go through the rest of this uh, episode under the presumption that uh, Zach Boris will be making his second career start this week? Boatman? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Until we hear others, and I haven't heard from anyone else within the program that it's going to be someone else. I know that um, Beaudry was pretty much in concussion protocol at Idaho State. Things like that can take time. And I know CJ Jordan was really banged up going into that Southern Utah game. He was already kind of hurt. And people go, how how is that possible? Well, it's his first year 
college campus playing football. Going to be a little hurt, right? Um, I don't know who else we got. <laughs> so until until I hear otherwise, I think yeah, I think we should just assume that uh, it's going to be Zach Borish and it's be uh, a good old option football on Saturday. Brian, do you concur? Yeah, and I'm I'm really hoping we do. That's what we get to see because one of the variables in Cheney. Winds were 25 miles an hour on the field. Uh, they really did impact passing a ton. I mean, we saw Barrier was also 18 to 38. So <clears throat> in spite of him having some good numbers <clears throat> as far as, you know, 300 plus yards and touchdowns, I want to see what I, the wind impacted Barrier too, which means it obviously impacted Borish. So I think it'd be, I, I'm really hoping we get to see this again because I want to see what it looks like when a team has a pretty good idea that that's what they might be facing. And also just on, I want to see what his minimal passing looks like under more normative conditions, just for a better idea of, you know, was Eastern who is a good team was with the good results we saw from Eastern, mostly uh, a factor of the shock of a team not being to prep for it. Or maybe do we have something here that's worth actually looking at? I, I don't mean it's like the entire offense like that, but do we have something worth, uh, integrating into what we do as a team. I think seeing, seeing that against a team that has a better idea that that's what's coming is going to give us a better idea than what we saw last week. Yeah, I I'm with you. Uh, I, the only thing from what we've heard is possibly Beaudry depends on concussion protocol. Um, obviously he doesn't have to be practicing. So we can be taking the majority of the reps all season, but it sure is pointing to Borish, and I agree with you. Uh, for better or for worse, this is a prove-it game for Zach Borish. There are his detractors, and there are his fans, and he has a lot of fans. Um, like you mentioned, outside, he's it's almost unfair to judge him. He's the only quarterback for the University of Idaho that's had to have any game outside this year. Luckily, now he gets to be one of the guys that's in the Dome. Can he put together a performance like C.J. Jordan, like Nikhil Nair? Will this? Will he be able to put together a performance that makes this go? He needs a shake. Whether Beaudry is here in the fall, whether Nikhil's hand is better, and whether CJ Jordan is ready to go in the fall, is Borish in this? Do we have a four-headed race at quarterback this fall? We will find out real quick. Um, it's no secret the dead horse just has to come out in this one. Mason Petrino had a career performance against NAU last year. Do we hold him to that standard? Does he need to put up Mason numbers? Does he need to put up better than Mason numbers? Which I honestly don't think either of those are possible for even, I mean, I don't think Eric Berrier even put up those numbers against NAU. So that was just, that's how ridiculous that last game was last year. But what people should have in their mind, what they need to see from him. Um, the good news is I still think we're going to run the ball a lot because he has proven that he is, Probably the best ball vision out of anybody on our team. But um, that that's kind of Zach Borish and, and kind of our thoughts on the guy who is most likely going to be leading the Vandals out in Flagstaff this weekend. Now let's preview NAU. They are currently 2-2. Two and two. Casey, what's going on with your season? And where are the Lumberjacks right now? Well, first off, thanks for having me on. Um, so, um, to 
put it in perspective, NAU season has been game, two weeks off, game, two weeks off, and then game. Well, with two games back-to-back. Has that given NAU more time to practice and get ready for games? Absolutely. Has that given NAU more times to get cold? Absolutely. Uh, we've only had one home game this, this season, uh, so this will be the second home game and final game for the spring season. Am I stoked for another home game? Absolutely. Would it be better if NAU had fans? Yes, it would. So it's, I, I'm wanting to know, Idaho is not Southern Utah, because that's who we had at home. But also, I know that you guys had a little bit of trouble against Southern Utah when you played them at home. So I'm wanting to know how having no fans in the Dome and playing against NAU in Flagstaff with that elevation is going to put on a fifth-string quarterback, fourth-string running back, uh and a team that has had fans all season long coming into NAU. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that in here in just a second. I just want to break down how you guys' season's gone super quick. Uh, so you guys have beaten SA Southern Utah, as you mentioned, twice in, was it called the Grand Canyon game, I believe? Grand Canyon Trophy. Grand, Grand, Grand Canyon Trophy. Uh, they beat Southern Utah twice, once in week one, 34-33, on a 0.00 walk-off touchdown by Keandre Wooty. Uh, and they won 28-20 last week. They lost to Weber in a game that they should have won. It was a 50-something yard Hail Mary by the backup Weber quarterback that just, like, absolutely had to gut the, <laughs> the NAU fan base. But I know Weber's ecstatic about it, but you're looking at possibly a chance there that they're three and one. Um, and then there's no argument in week two. You ran into the bus saw that is Eastern Washington on the Inferno. I think their average margin of victory is something like 24 points at home. Uh, and you guys ended up losing that one by 32. So yeah, it's, it, it's what it is. It's Eastern. Uh, you've got Keandre Woodtee, who's a transfer from Oklahoma State. He was named Big Sky Player of the Week last week. You also have standout wide receivers in Hendrick Johnson. Uh, and then Brandon Porter, a man who originally opted out of the season to then make a surprise opt-in, maybe the only player in the FCS to opt into the season after opting out. Um, with those two guys back, spring, fall, Winter, summer, it does not matter. They are probably the two best duo in the big sky, especially with Samore Toure leaving Montana for Nebraska. Uh, I think it's hard to argue. I know some people on this might say Eastern Washington might have the best trio, um, but as far as best duo, I think it's these two. But um, you, you kind of asked our, our take there on that's how your season's gone, but how's it going to go against Idaho? Um Brian, do you want to kind of go first on kind of what you think, how Idaho is going to deal with the elevation and no fans? With elevation, I point to how we looked pretty fine in 2019 in Wyoming. As I mean, look, I'm not saying the elevation is completely irrelevant. I think our kickers will, of course, not be disappointed, Boatman. But I mean, I'm not... 
I'm we've played at elevation. We played at elevation against NAU last year and looked just fine. We played at Wyoming, played just fine. Elevation itself, I don't I wouldn't say is a particular concern on my part. Um also if we're doing the run it if we're running like we did this last time, the pace isn't as fast. Uh, well, I mean, look, if you're not having sustained drives, it's not hard at all on your offense. But you know, we we held we had the ball 13 more minutes than Eastern Washington did, which certainly uh, last week, which certainly gives your defense a, a breather. I mean, 13 minutes is a pretty huge chunk of change to own, and also just up from the offensive end, the pacing isn't quite as fast. So I don't think that's going to be a big deal. No fans. I, I mean, I wish we. I really wish for NAU they had fans. I wish for the for the players they had fans. I I don't I, th- I think it will make the game feel a little flat at some point, but like would I ascribe points to that? I mean, not really. Like, I don't know three or something like that. I, I I more think the the variable is how bought in to the final game are both these teams, and both of these teams absolutely should be. Idaho's playing for three and three, and NAU is playing playing for three and two. It'd be NAU's first winning season since, since 2017. It'd be our first 500 or higher season since 2016. Um, first of all, Brian, um, I really appreciate you brought up the kickers before I could, and that should be an award because it's, it's, this is the kicker's dream. You are playing indoors at 7,000 plus elevation. I mean, like, Come on, no wonder NAU's punters and kickers numbers are inflated every year because they get a kick in the dreamland that is the Sky Dome. Um, I, I don't think the crowd's going to matter that much. The elevation, some guys might get tired, right? Um, let's not forget they just played in Pokey a couple weeks ago, and Pokey's almost 5,000 feet elevation. It's not Pokey's no, no, uh, no sea level. And Moscow alone is – 2,500 feet. So it's not, it's not terrible. They're not coming from just below sea level. They're not coming from like Seattle. Right. And then going to play a game. Um, Chris, you're still muted when you talk. Um, <laughs> um, I think what actually might affect Idaho more, they're flying day of, this is a 1 PM kick. In Idaho. That means they will be in Flagstaff at about, mm, 10.30 a.m., which means they will have to leave Pullman Airport at 8 a.m., which probably means a 6 a.m. wake-up. That's not fun. I, I've done a couple of 6 a.m. wake-ups before, and they're not fun on a Saturday. You kind of come out a little flat at first. I think that 6 a.m. wake-up, come out with a two-and-a-half-hour ride combined with no fans you could experience. Maybe that first quarter could be a little slow, um, but because I think we rely on that running offense, I think we could be okay. But maybe our defense comes out a little flat at first. I would be surprised to see you, know, you take advantage of our, our weak secondary and then also uh, um, a tired fan. Hey, I'm going to jump in really quick. Boatman's sound kind of cut in now, Alex, just to confirm. You said you think a bigger issue is that we're flying day of. Uh, the flying day of means a very early wake up, which mean, which could translate into a slow start. Yes. Um, it, it, my take on the elevation and fans, pretty easy. Uh, no fans, for the most part, has been pretty standard this year. Uh, though Idaho has allowed fans. Other than Eastern Washington I, and you know the end of that Southern Utah game, I don't think it's ever gone rowdy, and I don't think it's ever gone to the point where even the away team is 
recognizing, although I don't know, Eric Berry seems sure to know who I am. So maybe not, but, uh, <laughs> um, so no fans. I'm not too worried about if anything, it's just going to make it more even, um, elevation. Yeah. I think playing in Wyoming last year helped us. Uh, I, I could have swore we played in one more high elevation, Northern Colorado, right? Didn't we? No. I don't know. I, th- I thought we had Northern, three high elevation you games. Yeah. But well, we, dude, we got Montana's relatively high elevation too. Yeah. But uh, so we, we played in some high elevation game that last year. But to your point, Casey, we haven't this year. We've played three games in Moscow, played a game in Cheney, which is, I believe, actually lower elevation than Moscow, if not comparable. Uh, and then Idaho State, which is high elevation, but. If that's your highest, it's still not what seven thousand something feet. Uh, it's two thousand shy of that, so uh, it, it might take some adjusting. And if our defensive line looks kind of gassed, like they did against Eastern last week, it definitely could show its its thorns there. But I I don't want to be a, a a sore thumb here, but uh, or, or you know not provide anything to the conversation. I'm excited for the kicker duel, Luis Aguilar. Luis Aguilar. Also a fantastic kicker. I believe he's actually FCA or Hero Sports All-American kicker and punter or punter, one of the two. And then you have Cade Coffey, who had that honor two years ago, except obviously last year he dealt with a little bit of groin injury. Numbers were down. But this year, I believe, is third in the nation in average punt yards. So, like, uh, we're going to have a punter's duel. Unfortunately, we have two of the worst pass defenses. Uh, so I'm not sure how much of those legs we're going to get to see. But uh, Casey, Kyler kind of hit on it with us. There's only so many teams now where the big skies made this transition, right? The big sky used to be aired all around the yard. Every single team seemed to do it. But with Jay Hill, it seemed to shift to more of a control-the-pace-of-game defense-oriented. Idaho, control-the-pace-of-game defense-oriented. Montana State, put a linebacker at quarterback and control the pace defensive. Um, so you're starting to see more of these teams make the shift to controlling the tempo. Idaho has seemed to be very susceptible this year to the teams that are the old school sling it around the yard offenses of the old big sky, which NAU is one of the, the last remaining of that sort. Does this matchup? I mean, what's your, like your worried level on one to 10? Is this, a one? Is this a five? Is this a ten? It because for us, it kind of looks like a matchup nightmare. Uh, our secondary has not been able to stop anybody, and NAU is a team that is not afraid to have a quarterback throw the ball sixty times in a game. Um, NAU's run defense against other people, other teams, is middle tier to lower. NAU's pass defense is, again, again middle tier to lower. Idaho's pass defense is the last one. Um, am I worried that NAU will be able to throw the ball around? Absolutely not. But I don't think this game is going to go crazy where NAU is going to win by you know, 30 points. It's not going to happen. Um, keep in mind, both quarterbacks are still 
kind of new. You're not dealing with case cookers. You're not dealing with, you know, all the other wide receivers that's been making humongous numbers the past few years at NAU. Um, I want to hit on someone who I don't think you guys have ever really talked about with NAU. As you know, last year, NAU did not have many, if at all, running back numbers. Yeah, I couldn't name you their running back. Yeah. Drayson Hall, running back, freshman for NAU, wasn't even supposed to be really playing this year. Uh, he really should have been uh, still in, in, in high school. Um, he is huge. Uh, not really. He's 5'8". He can get around small places. In the last two games, he has 136 yards. No, excuse me. 160 yards in the last two games. 136 yards of rushing at Weber. The number two then school in the country. And stout defense. And a very stout defense. I'm thinking that NAU will be able to run and throw the ball against Idaho with their defensive house looking right now. Um, But it's not going to be one of those. Oh, thank you, Taylor. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) um, I don't know who your team is, but awesome. Um, Anyway, hey. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I, I really do. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a fun matchup, but I I definitely expect to see that football go flying. Which will be curious to see if Idaho follows suit because that would be, to be fair, I, I think just one thing we, we poked fun at on our live reaction show, Paul Petrino, for being an offensive genius. Um, but then one thing to remember, he did – completely install a brand new offense in three days that did almost beat the number nine team in the country. Can Paul Petrino do something similar here and make everybody, including basically us and NAU and the nation think, well, Boris is going, they're definitely doing the triple option. And could we somehow see us revert back to a different, almost, I don't want to say Oregon, but you know, more of that, spread with more RPO type stuff built into it. I mean, it would not strike me of Paul not to try to do something with a week of practice, be like, okay, we're going to try to catch somebody shock and awe again. And we're going to have you throw the ball 40 times this week. But I don't know if that's the right game plan. Uh, Anybody else, any other NAU Idaho game takes before we get into keys of the game? I just want to ask something. Yeah. With Petrino doing that and completely changing it up, which is a hypothetical, I don't right, know if that's right, happening. Right, right. I, I'm just saying, did he show all of what he has? Because he, of course, NAU has that on tape plus the previous stuff that he's done this year and last year. Did he just give away potential game plan to NAU? 
which is why I would not be surprised if he completely ran out an offense we've never used. Like I could see him almost going to not quite achy because I think that's a waste of borish where you run like the one back system. Yeah. Um, but I could see him maybe going totally like Eastern Washington or like an NAU and just literally going almost strictly shotgun and pistol, maybe stri- all pistol, do some Chris Alt from Nevada. Like I could see him completely trying to change our offense again. Cause at this point too, what's there to lose? I mean, other than his first 500 season since 2016, but you know, like you mentioned, you saw the triple option and for the big sky teams, you're not going to catch them. They have time to prep for the triple option. They've played Cal Poly for a decade. Like, they know what the triple option is. Uh, a couple of the teams have ran into, like, Wofford and Kennesaw, et cetera. Um, so they've, they've seen it. Um, I would not be shocked if I, literally Paul Petrino runs out a crazy new offense. Alex, somebody, you, Petrino was your coach. Am I totally off my rocker here? Is Doesn't that seem like a Petrino move? Yeah. Could we be running the also- pistol? It's also Paul Petrino to be like, I know better than you. I'm going to run it. I'm going to just going to do what I want to do. Yeah. (laughs) That's also Petrino. Um, Could we see some variation? I think we might see a very similar offense to last Saturday with just more passing with like mixed in Mason, CJ Jordan offense. It's probably what we're going to see. Cause that's going to be very similar, but just a little bit more passing. Probably. We didn't, we didn't get to show off Boris's arm because there's 25 mile per hour gusts. And he can't throw impact Barrier. So we will probably no matter what, see more passing. So my take will probably look very good, but it could very well, unless you're actually watching, it'll be probably the same offense just with more passing. Um, A couple of things to add there too, Chris is first. I mean, look, we're correct that it was a surprise for Eastern Washington. It's not what they prepped for. Shocking. But part of why the offense worked beyond the first five plays when Eastern suddenly was, you know, Aaron Best knew what was coming. And what was different, yeah, what was different is honestly having that extra blocker for to rush and Boris, which is good, seemed to really matter for Idaho's rushing attack because throughout the season, we it when we do you know traditional rushes where it's not the plus one. Run, running where, with the quarterback and running running backs lead blocker or option. We actually hadn't been that great at running the ball. And even against Eastern, when we did traditional handoffs to guys like Nick Romano, Roshan Johnson, they weren't that great. They still weren't that great numbers-wise. Boris looked different, and I think it's partially because I think that extra blocker relative to our young offensive line actually matters more than you might guess. E- NAU also is not as strong a rush defense as Eastern Washington so I would in no way be shocked if the view from the coaching staff is, yeah, they're surprised. But part of it is because this just works better for what we have. That extra blocker matters. This should work just as well against a team that mm-hmm. their rush defense is not as strong as Eastern Washington's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or all wrong and Mike Beaudry rolls out as a yeah, starter. For all, and we're like, for all we know, we're, we're doing concussion protocol passed. Yeah. And yeah, and Beaudry runs out and, and a used prep for, you know, Nikhil, CJ, and Borish. And we're, Right back to week one with Mike Beaudry. It's yeah. For all we know, we're doing two quarterbacks again, and it's Borish and Beaudry. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Or what we've yeah. heard about Cisco is wrong, and he could be available. So yeah. that was yeah, yes. Just quick, get quick all five quarterbacks in six game yeah. span. Why not? But yeah, just quick reference point for what I was talking about though with NAU rush defense. Even after 
Borish's big game against Eastern. Eastern on the season has given up 3.9 yards per rush. NAU given up 4.6. That's a pretty hefty difference. And there's no way the coaching staff that just saw us run the ball the best we have all season, except maybe some part, some of the Southern Utah game. Uh, there's no way that the coaching staff is going to completely ignore that. I'm not saying no, it's in their head, but as far as like a matchup that you would, you'd expect a coach would care about. I mean, if we were able to run against a pretty solid Eastern defense and NAU has absolutely not been as strong stopping the run as Eastern that points in the direction of, yeah, why not, why not give it a shot? And, and while Roshan might not put up the numbers, he brought the energy plays that truck in the first half was awesome. And then that hurdle in the second half, like that alone, that truck set the tone. I think that was on the first drive. Wasn't it where he just absolutely, I think it was Ira branch. Maybe that's why he's transferring. He's got like freaking. he tried to do his best. Kalen Kreiner impersonation. It was, I mean, it was a hit. I loved it. Cause I think the Eastern running back also played a pretty good look at us on their first drive. So it was kind of nice to see like back and forth, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's Paul. He could very well be, I'm just smarter than you and run out the exact same thing we've seen. Or it could very well also be like, I'm going to keep everything close to the chest and we're going to do something we've never done before. The life of being a fan of a team that a Petrino coaches is uh, they're always going to be or think they're the smartest person in the room um, for better or worse. Um, keys to the game. will end with NAU here. So we'll start with the Vandal takes. Boatman, your keys to the game for the Vandals to win. Big plays, either making them on offense and their defense or special teams, and then limiting big plays for NAU. I feel like every game we've seen this year, the other team has had a big play, and we just we feel like we haven't, um, except maybe at the end, you know, Eastern and Southern Utah. Um, so we just we need to more make more big plays, more chunk plays, more things to completely flip the game on its head, right? So that's that's my key to the game. Yeah, uh, Brian Marceau. NAU can look at, at Keandre Wooty has an arm. He's also coming off his best, in my mind, his best collegiate game against Southern Utah. And Idaho, our past defense has been, we've talked about a thousand times on the show. Our, our past defense is, is pretty dang weak. We, we're starting to have a few moments where some corners are making some more plays, which is, of course, you know, positive for us. But overall, there's a reason that teams continue to pick on us through the air. So question for us is because I'm going to presume our front seven is going to keep doing what they've been doing all season and be the best rushing defense in the league. Can Idaho, similar to what Bowman said, but can, can Idaho look passable as a pass defense? If we can look passable as a pass defense, we're, we're going to, we're going to be okay. And the other is the same question we've talked about on the show too. When Idaho scores over 30, we look like a good team. The problem is in the last three years, we've only done it a handful of times. We did it last week. Can we put up enough points to buy our defense some margin for error? We haven't done it enough. Otherwise, we'd be better than two and three. But we just came off our second best offensive performance of the year, Chris. Yeah. Um, my take for this, uh, I, you know, last week against Eastern, I said, could we get the run game going? I 100% meant the running backs, but I will take it that we got it going with the quarterback, give myself a half or a third of a point there. But uh, I think it's going to be similar here. 
I think it what you did <clears throat> against NAU. NAU almost in a way is like Eastern Light. Like they like to run the ball. Wu T is not as athletic as Barrier, but he's not not athletic. And you don't get recruited at Oklahoma State if you can't sling the rock around. Oklahoma State notorious for slinging the rock around. So you know we can throw, just like Barrier. He's not going to look to get outside as much as Barrier does, which is why we're such a matchup nightmare for Barrier because we have the stand up rushing linebackers that are able to use the angles to prevent him, keep him in the pocket, and beat you, something that he's not quite as good at as, let's say, for Eastern fans at Vernon Adams or for us a Tyler Vanderwall, somebody who is able to just sit in the pocket and beat us. Um, I think Wu-Ti is more of that guy. He is the guy who's going to be able to sit in the pocket and beat us better than a Barrier could. But I think it comes back down to Idaho being able to run the ball. And this time I will I will nail it in. I need more from these running backs because the opposite of like shock and awe is what we were talking about when I was talking about what the big sky is going to. There's a reason Weber State is four-time champions. Defense and control the tempo. If you can keep Wooties passing attempts down by holding the ball, keeping your defense rested so that those, once again, all those DBs have to do is cover for three seconds, and our front seven will get there. That has been the issue. If they have fresh legs, it just helps them cover for those three seconds. Control the tempo. It starts on the on the on the line with the running backs, and hopefully this offensive line, who has seemed to be probably one of the only position groups that has legitimately improved every single week. Um, if they take another step forward here, uh, let's bring in producer Dallas hammer real quick before we get the NAU key to the game here. I think you're muted. I am. Thank you. That is why I couldn't hear myself. Uh, this is why I stay in the shadows <laughs> most of the time. Uh, I, for me, the key to this game is, is the quarterback, no matter who it is, no matter what the offense is, is the quarterback going to be able to keep Idaho on the field? Uh, I uh, Brian re- uh, referred back to it earlier. Idaho had a th- a plus thirteen time of possession over Eastern, uh, thirty six minutes to Eastern's twenty three, and then there's obviously a little bit of change there. That is, I think, the only reason that game was was particularly close, and that Idaho was was leading it going into the fourth quarter. Uh, that's just the the trick of punching a team in the mouth when they have no idea that you're changing from a, a pretty pass heavy attack to triple option where we're going to throw what seven passes 11 passes uh it doesn't matter to me if it's going to be the triple option or if it's going to be the regular attack if it's going to be Baudry, if it's going to be boorish if it's going to be some random kid that they found mopping the the kibby dome i don't know it's going to be is the guy able to convert on third down we were we were only six to 15 last week uh, and keep Idaho's offense at least on the field because we know NAU is going to probably score some points. Uh, it's it's just going to happen. The, the secondary for Idaho is just not good enough to to completely limit a team down, especially with with the receivers they have. Uh, what scares me is Idaho not being able to score enough points. Now, hopefully, if it's Borish in a dome, hopefully he throws a lot better than he did in the wind and Cheney. You know, Cheney blows, so we can chalk it up to that. But 
that's that's the big question mark and unfortunately i don't think any of us have any answers because i don't think paul petrino is going to come out and say yeah boris is going to run the triple option again and we're going to throw it 10 times he's not going to he's not going to give that away so until Wouldn't we that be see wild if he finally did oh my goodness <laughs> i would i think it i've kinda, made a, it kind of makes sense though right like like he plays things close to vest but also at the same time says come and beat me i dare you yeah he kind of always drops hands based off of colton clark's reporting he said um having, you know, Colton Clark's been every Paul press conference for a while. He said that what Paul said today was as close to an endorsement of a quarterback as he's seen out of Paul. So for what it's worth, uh, beat reporter Colton Clark thinks said, has said it sounds like the most likely option is Borish. Are you saying he wasn't serious when he told Idaho State to prepare for all three and then we actually did use two? <laughs> and we yeah. probably should have used a third name, Zach Borish. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, Casey, <laughs> we made you wait for all of our takes. What is NAU or Idaho, depending on which key to the game you think is actually going to be the pivot in this? Um, what's the key to the game? What's going to take to win this? NAU, more importantly, Keandre Wetty. His arm needs to work. He needs to get the ball to Colin Owen, Brandon Porter, and if Hendricks is in the game, Johnson Hendricks Johnson. Um, running backs need to run. But we basically need to not let the defense of Idaho get to us at all. Get that ball out fast. That's that is the number one thing. If if Keandre can stay. I was counting down three seconds. Oh. That's my well, thing. Three seconds. That's all it takes for us to get there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Keandre's fast. You've seen it. So is Barry. Yeah, Barry's <laughs> fast, too. Barry's fast, Not too. Not that fast against Idaho. <laughs> you know, unlike – you're right, because Barry was able to, like, turn around and twist and get away from other teams. He wasn't able to do that real well with you guys. So, if 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 any if what T can can stay in in, in, the, in the slot and just throw that ball real quick, we should be okay. Okay, let's get into uh, our our game predictions here. Um, we will have Dallas go last because he is in the lead, uh, and I believe I am officially tied with Boatman again, and we will be starting with uh, actually Casey because you're the guest. Casey, what's your prediction on the game? Uh, prediction, NAU wins, score 28-14, 28-21. Okay. Brian Marceau? So it's like the worst game in the world to have to predict, man, because we all know that the Idaho rhythm is the face plant after an impressive win, impressive win or an impressive loss. The NAU also, they're one of the lower scoring teams in the league. So, oh man, I want to pick against Idaho so much, but I'm going to say if we can control the ball, we should be better. Uh, Idaho 27, 21. Uh, just because I was tied for first last week, Boatman, you're going next. <laughs> 31-27 NAU. 
I should have picked NAU, goddammit, Bowman. Well, yeah. now you're making me nervous. I thought I might be the yeah. only one but Casey to take him. And I was no. doing it strictly to try to catch Dallas here. Because uh, I, like I didn't that. think he would take NAU. But now I see that others are on to this. I'm going to stick to my guns here. I don't think Idaho can stop a guy who can sit in the pocket and pick us apart. It's why Justin Miller almost pulled it off. It's why Tander Vander or Tyler Vanderwall did pull it off. It's why Barrier was able to, but definitely not his strongest performance in week one. Definitely not a strong performance. Um, Woody fits that mold more, but it'll be interesting to see because he's kind of the hybrid of like a a Justin Miller, Tyler Vanderwall type and an Eric Barrier. He's got enough mobility. If he uses it, I think it will hurt him. If he doesn't, I think they'll win. I'm going to go NAU 31, Idaho 30. I don't think I'll score that much. I have a trivia question for you guys. Paul Seven. Petrino has won one game on the road in the Big Sky Conference. Where did he do it and when? Oh, it's easy. NAU 2019. NAU. We already not covered a, that. Not a shot in hell he's going to do it again. Taking NAU, <laughs> NAU 31, Idaho 17. I'm bracketing my pick, guys. I got no. I'm no. You got to get asterisk. out of the cellar. You can get no, out of the an, cellar. It's an asterisk. If we go Beaudry at traditional offense, we lose. If we do the Borsch thing, we have a narrow win because well, the time of possession do, was radically different. I'll, I'll take that flop if Dallas lets me. If Beaudry plays, I think we win. Oh, I'm can look. I have the Beaudry? If Beaudry plays, we win. If Borsch plays, I think we barely lose. I'm going to lower my score prediction for Idaho. We're only going to score 20 if we're lucky. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right. We got it. This is a mess of a yeah. final season. Everyone's yeah. gunning for points here at the end. I just – Casey, when we invited you on, did you think that literally all four of us would pick NAU? No, not at all. <laughs> I, I, you Welcome know, to you... the most honest podcast in the Big Sky Podcast Network. <laughs> in fact – Everybody that is like led is because they actively picked against Idaho. Like I picked Idaho State to beat us. Dallas picked UC Davis to beat us. Brian missed picking Eastern in week one, but correctly picked Eastern in week two. Same with Boatman. I was the only one that took Idaho last week against Eastern. We are uh, we like to consider ourselves an, an honest quartet here at the. Uh, can we add one more piece here to the prediction, which is just I know we'll go further if we actually land here, and I want Casey's take as well. Yes, Nikhil Nair I, would win by 28. No, if Idaho <laughs> – exactly. If Idaho loses, goes 2-4 and four in the spring season, what what does that mean about the program? Because the story about a incremental growth – because that would be the story. We finished 500. Yeah, like, you know, we played a ton of close games, but the growth was incremental. You can point to the pieces why we think we'll be okay in the future. 2-4, and four, guys, That that's – that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. That would, I mean, it's a, it's a shortened season, but that would objectively I mean, be the worst season we've had for quite some time in my mind, Boatman. Well, I, you go ahead, Boatman. I mean, nothing. What we see now is what we're getting in the fall. So buckle up. Like, nothing's happening. So <laughs> no. people, that, whatever you feel about the season, it's not changing anything. Paul Petrino will 100%. Be the head coach come fall twenty twenty one. Unless one of, my unless, life. 
Unless, unless like, we would negotiate cool. this Montucky contract and they start or, paying us like, you know, let me, let me restate that. I didn't mean as in like coach movement. I meant as like your understanding of the Idaho program. Like Paul goes oh. two and four. There's no one on the planet except like his family members who have faith in him in the future. Right. Yeah. But it'd be the most Paul Petrino thing to go two and four this spring and then somehow go eight and three in the fall. Right. And then yeah. like, and no, get an or seven and four. Yeah. It just would be the most, it would just make the like Brian, it just, it's just a microcosm of the, of our right. single game season. Right. We, we lose to Northern Colorado while single-handedly we destroy Eastern. Right. It just doesn't make sense. That's just what this program is. It just doesn't right. make sense. And once you just accept there's chaos and ex- accept that, you know, it just, what is that? Like is the slingshot effect just keeps going back and forth. And, and so, Idaho and so not- notorious for coaches on the hot seat, having one good season and then getting unreal extensions. Rob Akey, uh, Paul Petrino in 2016. Like that's what happens. They get hot. They win. We record it as one of our best seasons of all time. And then they have a contract to through 2023. Like, that's what happened. Aki had what two years left on his contract when we fired him after three losing seasons after 09. Like if we, we go extended him for like five years after he had go, one winning season. If we go two and four, I'll address that um, after the game because that's yeah. a, that's a whole longer okay. conversation. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, just just more people. I wanted to hear people just acknowledge it, but uh, I guess great. We have it Casey puts the heat here. on the fall, but at we, the end of the day, the spring is what it was always going to be. Let's be honest. If we went six and zero and went to the playoffs this year and we're co-champions of the Big Sky, is it really going to allow you to give him any more grace in the fall? I feel like the fall was going to be his measuring stick, anyways. If we went six and zero and then went five hundred in the fall, people would still want him fired. Uh, I, but I, I'm really more talking about the the understanding of the program. Uh, so, Casey, a question for you, man. Um, Idaho goes to let's say Idaho loses to you guys. We go two and four. Does that what? How does that impact your understanding of the Idaho program? If I was an Idaho fan, I would be worried. Plain and simple, um, because most teams, if not all FCS teams, is using most of the same players for the fall with the incoming freshmen, who probably won't see as much game time. So how are you to expect, if you go two and four, you're going to say, hey, I want everyone to re-up their season tickets for a championship run this year when there's no proof of it. Yeah. He three, would. three, four months earlier. I'll tell you, I already got a hunch what the marketing campaign is going to be over the summer. We have four quarterbacks with game day experience. Like, that's how they're going to sell it is. Our guy never really got a chance. We've got a young, promising freshman. So, I I agree with you. I think most Vandal fans have been fearful since the – I don't want to call it the drop. The the return. um, Because literally the nightmare scenario has laid out. You went from being a team that won one to four games usually – in the FBS level to a team that's winning one to four games in the FCS level. So it's like, at this point, we're sitting here like, okay, we've had this conversation a billion times on the show. Boatman, I would rather be two and 10 in the FCS. Um, and I think Brian and Dallas, correct me if I'm wrong, would rather us be four and seven in the FCS. So 
it's a dicey thing where everybody is on board for the most part. There's some freaking people that are just crazy wackadoos. If I don't can get this this stuff rolling and we can start having eight, nine, ten win FCS seasons, it would be great. But right now, the worst hey. case scenario is here. We are a losing program. And there's a reason why everyone keeps saying, like, oh, New Mexico State, UMass, UConn, they're all going to come to the FCS. Why the hell would they come to the FCS after the Idaho experiment? You can go from winning the same amount of games to winning basically the same amount of games for For less less money money (laughs) with less prestige and less coverage. At least less coverage might actually be good for some of these schools. But so, like, at the end of the day, I agree. Uh, The experiment has not gone well. Uh, and the problem is we've just been handcuffed by a contract where most of us are have got the Stockholm effect going where you have to love your captor because it's not going anywhere. So might as well play nice and hope for the best. I guess um, to, to put a button on it, I, I guess the reason why I asked is I think Idaho has been understood as a sleeping giant by a lot of big sky schools, media, whoever, uh, relative to resources we have compared to, let's say, Portland State, something like that. I think we go to and four in the spring – a lot of people say, no, dude, they're not a sleeping giant. They're they're just a team. Until until something changes, they're just a team. They got some talent. They'll be up and down. I see. Yeah, I think those same media, same media folks, Montana, also would quickly blame that on the Montanan running the program too, though. Yeah. You said Idaho fans should be worried. Casey, I've been an Idaho fan for 25 years. I've been worried since day one. This doesn't phase us. We have We have ice in our veins, you know. This is what we expect. And what anything comes better than this, you're just happy you're along for the ride and happy you were there that happened. I remember the, three years where I didn't have that gut punch feeling in my gut all the time. 98, I, 09, and 16. Still, <laughs> everything else, it's, it's still there. So it's just, I'm, I'm worried every day. Anywho, I'm every day to with, the point I'm not worried. No, that no. was a super long tangent. With, um, with, oh, with, with, with Chris's comment on the coach's perspective. Isn't your head coach's brother the head coach at Missouri oh, State? You just really want to get all vandals going. No, it, no, no. From, no. Day, from day one, everybody said Bob, Paul was the wrong hire. Bobby Petrino I, coached at Idaho in 92 to 95, I believe. He was their offensive coordinator when we were the number one team in the country for the FCS. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people, when they heard Petrino, were expecting a different Petrino to get off the plane. Uh, that has been a conversation since 2013 when Paul got here uh, about who the hell is Paul Petrino, who was a wide receivers coach at the same time. Ours uh, has better morals. Yes. the Bobby Petrino is a soul to, the, soul to the devil. Everywhere he goes starts to win. I predicted that with Missouri State. But he leaves such a dumpster fire behind him. It is it ridiculous. I mean, he got Arkansas to be the number three team in the country. Now they can barely beat FCS schools. He got Louisville rolling leaves. They suck. They've recovered once they rehired him, and now they're doing good again. Uh, Atlanta Falcons, he left the Falcons in 47 days, something ridiculous like that. Uh, Bobby Petrino is a deal with the devil. For for, this is a very pre-show talk, um, it's like hiring Jose Marino as your manager. It could work, but it is sure as hell going to scorch everything when it fails, and it is doomed to fail at some point. 
But yes, that is the Bobby Petrino argument. (laughs) What is Bobby doing that Paul is not doing? Uh, Relying on his other coaches? I don't know. Uh, Full disclosure, I don't think we have any people who are following Missouri State enough to give an actual breakdown other than saying doing stuff better. Maybe Boatman does something different in his free time. Someone call Matt Struck right now. Yeah. Oh, good God. <laughs> Matthew Struck. Anyway, Jake, Jake Constantine. I just had to say it. Sorry, Brian. Yeah, I, had to, I had to get in. They had to get in. Uh, okay. That was Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expeditions. If you're looking for an all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture in the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States, located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, the Selway, or even special trips like the one to see the Perside Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, and take in history all along the river's edge. You can also fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. Just bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandal owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bowl throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882. That's 800-262-1882. Or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Um... Getting iced, Casey. Uh, we did not give you time to prep for this, so we will drop it to you now, and we will do it before we sign off. Okay. Uh, you get to ask us any question you want, sports-related or not. Start thinking about it. As we do that, we'll roll into watching the TV. What FCS game are you guys watching this week? I mean, there's really only one answer, but I'm curious. Boatman? Well, I was muted to pull the Dallas move and a Chris move, so now I got to eat crow. But anyway, um, I mean, the one answer I'm assuming you mean is Portland State against Montana, correct? I mean, I don't how know. could you not I don't, watch? The series is tied one and one in the past I, two seasons. I don't know. I believe in the past three, it is actually two and one Portland State. You better Bobby. believe the Grizz are looking for revenge against their age old rival in Portland State. Bobby Bobby Howe said that Portland State's a top four team in this conference. Okay? I mean, uh, and would anybody argue with Bobby Howe? Never. He then is. Why would you? His word is gospel. So, I mean, it is. Don't you know I the will... only reason Jeff Choate left head coaching at Montana State for Texas co-linebackers coach is he was absolutely fearful of the great Bobby Howe. See, I, I thought like it was the prestige of being a co-coordinator. And There's a mix of both. Dollars, Hook, but... Hook them horns, a lot of money, and of course, fear of Bobby Houck. I mean, yeah, number so, one. Was this is a top. This is a top four Big Sky matchup according to Bobby Houck. So I mean, this basically screw Weber. Hand whoever wins this the title. And but, Eastern, they suck. But, and UC Davis, they suck too. Here's the big question, guys. This is the type of game that just corrupts college football. Do you understand that Portland State is receiving a low grade five figure payday? I cannot believe it. I, that, that is highway robbery. Yeah, Thirty six thousand. That is almost a teacher's salary in Idaho in 1990. Does that even cover travel? Are they busing? Do they <laughs> no. leave today? They're walking. Oh <laughs> my horse, horse and buggy. Uh, hey, and you know what? I'm just excited to see the 1300th straight top 15 recruiting class for Portland State roll out in Wagris Stadium in front of like four thousand. Grizz fans that apparently think the weather is not an issue in Montana anymore, even though it's predicted the snow. 
Um, but in all seriousness, well, actually, Casey, if you want to jump in on this bagging on Montana train, feel free. Otherwise, we'll give an actual prediction. <laughs> um, let's see here. What can't I say about Montana? I mean, there's so much you can. They're so great, wonderful, amazing people, amazing fans. Winning program, historic program, Bobby Hauk. Uh, did I mention Bobby Howe? A lot of Big Sky um, titles in the last 10 yeah. years. Just, ran the conference the past decade. Won a ton of Big Sky titles between 2010 and now. very legitimate. Oh, wait. It's yeah. not well, the season I, can't be legitimate without them in it because they win all those titles. Case Cook is definitely doesn't like them. <laughs> yeah, I heard he does. might actually go for the head uh, against them. Yeah. But, anyways, uh, game to watch is the Dakota Markers. North Dakota State versus South Dakota oh. State for the at-large uh, uh, automatic qualifier for yeah. the Missouri Valley Conference, and that was what I was going for. But I do love the <laughs> Montana Portland State tangent that just came out of it. That was absolutely wonderful. Um, but let's predict Portland State, Montana State, because the illegitimate spring season is occurring. Casey Everett, Vikings or Grizzlies? Well, the fact that Portland State hasn't had a game yet, to my knowledge. I think they're going to be rusty versus a um, hmm, versus a Montana team that just faced a Division II school and beat them by a billion points. Figures. Well, actually, wasn't Central Washington, didn't they really play really well against Eastern Washington last year? Uh, Central Washington has played both Eastern Idaho and Montana close in the past decade. So they used to be a like perennial top five team in Division Two. However, Eastern poached their head coach I think three seasons ago, and, and since they poached their head coaches multiple times. Yeah, it, it, they've been a little rock and rock for weary. But yeah, no, I mean they're still not a program to sleep on. So yeah. I will I will give Montana that a forty nine three win or whatever fifty nine. It's I, is it as impressive as a the clan from Siri, Canada? We will see come uh, September, whatever for the Vandals. But I mean, I'm telling you, those Canadians are risky. I don't know. Hey, um, hey. okay. So, um, I believe it's going to be Montana by twenty, at least. Uh, uh, Brian Marceau, I know you're a huge fan of Bruce Barnum. Yeah, dude. Uh, top fan of Bruce Barman, Barnum and Big Sky Podcast Network. Um, look, Montana gets the advantage of every team we've seen play this year, guys, has been rusty in week one. There's no exception in my mind, except maybe Weber State, but everyone's looked bad in week one. Montana in their week one plays a D2 team, which is as easy as you can get. Uh, you know, I mean, that's flirting with Cal Poly level right now. And then in their second week, they get Portland State's week one. So, yeah, Montana doesn't have too much difficulty. Uh, I'm going to say 42 to 21, Montana. Oatman? Montana by three scores. That's that's all I know. I think it's going to snow and the game's going to be canceled. Moving on, Dallas? <laughs> uh, Montana puts up another 50-burger to feel good points and come out of this spring thinking they're the hottest shit since, I don't know, sliced bread. Can't Only wait. struggle to go seven and four or six and five in the fall. Yeah, and have to Bingo. come down to trying to beat the Bobcats in the final game of the season. And well, you know, Choate's gone. They might actually pull it off now. Yeah, I, I, we'll see. Until it happens, it hasn't happened. So 
Do, Chris, do we want to, before to buy Casey some time, do we want to fly through a couple hashtag ask the ATCs since we got the participation yeah, this week? Let's do that. Good point. Probably rerun it. Okay. Uh, what we'll do, guys, because we're going to try, try to keep this uh, close, we're going to go through some hashtag ask the ATCs. I'm just going to throw it to one person for their take on it. And Boatman, I am absolutely going to start with you. Um, MD, which is Marie Duncan, one of our favorites uh, from the uh, from ASUI or University of Idaho, asks, uh, do we have anyone going to the draft, Christian Ellis, for going next season? The main question really for you, Alex, is because we already know Christian Ellis intends to go pro. Um, who, who would, who's going to fill his spot next year? Um, you know, Idaho is shown to run. I think we got to look at Favai Favai a lot moving forward. Um, he's kind of that third backer. Um, I know we played Sully Shannon a lot at backer in 2019. I haven't really seen him a whole lot this year. Man, that's tough. That Sam position has been an Ellis brother for the last like seven seasons. Um, man, you know, I know uh, Hatton, um, not Hayden Hogan, uh, has played uh, a little bit this year when forced into duty. Primarily does the punt duties on snapping. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I don't, I don't know. It could be a brand new guy. It could be someone they move. Um, usually that Sam is someone who's more athletic and can cover. So it could almost be even a, a converted safety um, who comes down to the box. But maybe look for someone like Sully Shannon or some guy we, we don't even know yet. Could be some they, Chico guy. Uh, mute my real quick on this. Tomasini has been plugged really hard mm, as a guy who yeah. might have been able to play. And also that kid out of Bend, we just signed in this recruiting class. Yeah. Look for them to be two guys that yeah. will make or, noise on that line too. Or another transfer. And everything that I've heard, it, I've heard that Christian is probably coming back in the fall. I think, I think I haven't heard how his pro day went, but I've heard he's, it was like 50 50, come back in the fall. I think he's probably going to come back. Um, yeah. It doesn't ever hurt to have more film on you at this level, right? Um, and that's, and that's what I've heard from, from Caden. So that's, I think he'll probably come back. So I, I hope he does. And Chris, we have one from Nick Weber and I'm throwing it to you, Chris, cause this hits your wheelhouse of, uh, let's just say speculating on conference stuff. Um, what does SUU going to the WAC do for big sky conference football scheduling? Will we get to play our in-state rival? Obviously he's talking about Idaho state annually. He's not talking about Riverside Tech, huh? Okay. I uh, just saw whack, oh, you know. College of Idaho. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no. Uh, so, yes, Southern Utah is leaving. The Big Sky has already announced they plan on redoing the schedules uh, after this upcoming fall 2021 season. So, there's no point to really look past. We still have schedules out till 2024 for the Big Sky, but they're all getting erased and rechanged. Now, this is not necessarily official from the Big Sky. However, rumors out of both athletic departments and universities are that Idaho and Idaho State are pushing really hard, and it looks that it is going to be approved that Idaho and Idaho State will become some sort of protected rival to where they will be playing every year. Now, we don't know if that means we lose Montana, we lose Eastern, or they're just adding Idaho State, and teams have three protected rivals now. That minutia has not been worked out, but we have been told is Idaho and Idaho State have been very firm on wanting to make sure that game is something that is protected. Now, whether that means Idaho loses something or we actually just gain something with no, no losses uh, is yet to be seen. 
But we will probably know sooner rather than later. I would imagine the Big Sky to probably come out with the announced 2022 schedule, possibly even at media days in July. But I expect that before the final game of the fall 2021 season, we will have an idea of our spring uh, or sorry, fall. Wow, <laughs> now I'm all messed up. Our fall no. 2022 season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this gets added as a third. I don't see. Um, there's no reason why I, this, yeah, I agree why this shouldn't. And if it three. if we did lose it, lose one, I think it should be Eastern. If we had to go down to two, I think Montana makes more sense as a rival. I know we, the conference the conference really wants us in Eastern to be rivals, right? They want that yeah. because we're close geographically, but yeah. historically, and, Montana we're Montana's. Second closest rival um, yeah. after Montana State, ninety so appearances, yeah. but uh, and twelve is divisible by three, so it does work. Unlike thirteen, so and I'm gonna throw this next one to Dallas Hammer, so he's gonna have to pull himself in. Dan Vandal asks, "How should we treat this game?" He's talking about Idaho NAU. Uh, should we go all out or rest key starters for the fall, Dallas? You know what? I think we should go all out. Uh, realistically. I'm not going to say it because I'm going to jinx something, but realistically I see more benefit for playing kids than I do for sitting them and not playing them. Uh, if, if Beaudry's healthy, let's, let's throw him out there and see if he is potentially the guy for the fall. I think we're all probably in agreement that CJ Jordan is probably the guy that'll grab the, grab the position. But if the guy's healthy, let's throw him out there. Um, let's yeah. throw the best team out there, see what we can do. And then if halftime rolls around and it's a, a shit show, then sure, let's put all the second string in and, and get guys reps. But at this point, for a team that's hoping to scratch mm-hmm. 500, play your best guys and get get them as much experience as you can for the next season. And there I, I got to throw two t- dudes I would keep out. CJ Jordan should not even travel. And I think Charles Ocano, you should try to keep him out as long as possible because there is something he has not gained 100% from his injury in 2019. Just if it's possible, let him get there. See, I, I think I'm with you on CJ. I think Ocano needs to play. I think he's playing his way back into shape. Um, but the other thing point. I'm going to add on here, guys, is um, Dan. Dan's question is good. It actually touches on a topic that I think relates to college sports. It's actually trickling down from pro sports, which is – um, I'm not going to say Idaho's tanking, but often when, when pro teams tank, what they do is they rest guys because they don't want rest guys because they don't want to risk injury. Now, the NBA is resting guys for teams that already know they're in the playoffs on purpose, but they have an 82-game season. reason I bring that up, college is just different. We have them for four years max where we don't actually have that many games of a play of good games from good players to say we're not willing to take advantage of. So, like, does that exist in college? Yeah, but I think... I don't think it exists to the to the extent that some people. I'm not saying Dan believes this, but I'm not. I don't believe that it's as valuable in college as yeah. some people probably believe. And I'm going to throw the last hashtag. Asked Wait, I just want to say it's a good point. You brought it up because of that. Remember, though, we think he could be back. Enjoy watching number one on Saturday because it could very well be the last time you're watching him. So, yeah, that's one reason to tune in, man. It might be the last time you see one of our most electric linebackers. Um, suit up. I'm, I'm going to sprint through one last one and I'm going to claim it for uh, myself. Nick Weber again, hashtag asked hubs. Who's the more Homer crew calling games? ISUs or SWX crew at Eastern. I think I'm the only one who listened to all of both games. And I'm going to say 
oh, dude, unequivocally ISU because ISU's oh, yeah. crew was way it's more ISU. on. They were yeah. made way more on brand for what Idaho State is and Holt Arena is, which is, I don't know, like the thrift store version of a college football facility, a thrift store version of, I'm not going to make fun of the person for that. All the way. I know what you're, I'm, I, I know what you're joking about, Chris. Um, I just think give the guy time the off. The other thing is, <laughs> didn't Patrick's call? Yeah. yeah. So Idaho yeah. State's Idaho State's crew was Idaho's just inaccurate about a ton guy. of stuff. Uh, Dennis Patchen certainly wasn't Idaho centric in calling the game. I think he was probably Eastern centric. But you got to keep in mind, SWX is broadcasting Eastern into Spokane. That's the target market. He wasn't like a preposterous homer. Was he a little bit more energetic on Eastern? Yeah, a little bit, but he still made a big deal about Idaho stuff. So. Uh, no question, Chris. I'm going to say Homer Crew is Idaho State. I agree. That's Idaho State's crew. And mm-hmm. Dennis Patchen was the voice of Vandals until this season. So uh, I do agree the other guy was pretty easily Eastern. But like you said, SWX is a Spokane channel. Um, it's going to cater that way a little bit more, always. Uh, that takes us to hashtag, sorry, getting ice. Casey Everett, any question you want? It can be about sports or not. What do you got for us? Okay, so I got two things really, but one is just just a comment about Brian's last last question. Oh, okay, yeah, go for it. Okay, um, I think out of all the big sky, Mitch Stroman and the NAU team really do the best when it comes to home games, and even on the road. If you listen to him on the road, he is very even and very fair at calling both sides of the game. But he is amazing listening to him. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can. Well, will we get a chance to find that out this week? That's a nice little tidbit. Yes. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right. SUU is leaving the whack, which means NAU loses their protected rival. One of two. So I asked head coach Chris Ball if NAU should create a new trophy to face Northern Colorado. What's your thoughts? Brian, you want to go first? I Look, I think that is probably a good idea. Um, the, the reason I say that is, look, if Northern Arizona is hunting for rivals, then – I think they need to pick teams that are probably in the market as well. Northern Colorado has a new head coach, Ed McCaffrey, landed a bunch of transfers. They're going to be a team that's interesting this next year. Um, I don't know to what extent – like I don't know what the connected tissue of that rivalry would be, Casey. But one of Northern Arizona's rival, Northern Colorado's rivals is um, Montana State, and there's just no interest really on the Montana State side and even acknowledging that as a protected rival. So – I think for both teams, if there's something those schools can do to turn that game into something more, make it the battle of the North or something like that. um, I think I'd be all in for it because any energy in any extra energy into any big sky conference game is a win for every single big sky fan. Bowman. I think there has to be a certain level of animosity between the two clubs or between, between the two teams. Right. Um, the players and coaching staff needs to kind of hate each other. Um, like even when we're in the Sun Belt, we had teams that we just did not like to play or just didn't respect, and vice versa, they didn't like us. Those kind of became rivals. Idaho, it's lucky because the teams that 
you really uh, want to play against our two, two or three teams in your protected rivalries that we that we have. Um, I don't think I'd, anyone in Idaho really hates playing against like or really hates the the programs anywhere else. So, but if NAU and Northern Colorado have a certain detest for each other at the player and coaching level, then yeah, go for it. You just don't want to make sure you don't turn into the next civil conflict. And if you don't know what that is, I implore you to go look up the term civil conflict and find the trophy that UCF created for its game against uh, Connecticut when they were in the same conference. And that could be the worst case scenario. So just don't try to manufacture something that might not be there. Right. See, and this, this leads into me very well, actually. Thank you. Here's my issue, Casey. Um, I hate that idea. I mean, I love it because of like you're the same colors as Brian touched on. I think you need to find somebody that's in the market for a rival. Here's my issue with that. That feels so forced. And one thing I would love to see from NAU, something that probably a lot of Big Sky people don't realize, NAU has been in this conference for a freaking long time. Did you know NAU joined the Big Sky Conference at the same time Boise State joined the Big Sky Conference? They've been here since 1970. It was originally founded. There's only five founding members left in 1963. NAU is one of the the third wave of expansion after Montana State. They've been in longer than Montana State. Like, or sorry, uh, that might not be right. But they've been in it for a while. I would love to see you. Weber does not care about Idaho State that much. They do not care about Northern Colorado, the other team they're trying to force on them that much. That Southern Utah is leaving. Like, you guys are historic. That's still Grand Canyon. It's still Utah. It's still Arizona. It's still two bordering states. I would like to see that be something. You touched on it on Weber State Weekly. Those games have been surprisingly competitive. That animosity is going to be there. Hell, It took a Hail Mary to beat you guys this year on their home field. You guys have historically played them extremely well, arguably better than any other team in this conference. Weber has no rival with SUU leaving. NAU has no rival with SUU leaving. Let's make that a thing. I want to see the historic big sky. People always say I want NAU to take the like NAU fits the whack. I'm against that. I you know maybe in Arizona it's for it, but I'm just like, man, that's an original thing. They've been in the league 17 years longer than Eastern Washington. Like the NAU has history here. Find another team that has history. Your guys probably already have 40, 50 matchups against each other. So throwing the record book together looks a hell of a lot better than it does with like Idaho right now when we're doing Eastern, it's like 25-17 in Idaho State where it's like 27-20 or whatever. And it's like the games look good when it's like Idaho and Montana where there's like 80 matchups. Idaho-Boise State where there's like 40 to 50 matchups. Like, And that one even is pushing it because there's not that much history. Like, I want to see a team that we're like, you guys have 40, 50 games in the book. And since 1970, we're in the year 2021. Like, that's 71 years of history. You guys have had to play each other enough that like that looks like an actual matchup. And that's that'd be my take. Screw NA or Northern Colorado. Like, you guys are better than that. I'm happy they're there. They joined in 2006. Like, let them become rivals with Cal Poly or one of the other new stinking schools. I want to see you guys get history. Yeah. I would not, I would love to see. Just to be honest, Chris, you're right. I would 100% also love to see NAU and Weber create something. This series is tied, I think, now 26-26. So, it, yeah, it would be great. 
That's like hey, writing on the wall there. I big sky commish. Hire me. Let's go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Hey, sh- shout out Civil Conflict Trophy that right. sat in the locker. We put that on the screen for, for you years. video watchers. Um, oh, it's beautiful. We're going to flow through the rest of this real, real fast because we're already going really long. Basketball news. Hit him with it, Brian Marceau. Brian, you're muted. Now all of us have done it. There's going to be more news later this week because uh, signing day is Wednesday. We record on Tuesdays. So by the time this drops for podcast, signing day already taking place. However, in basketball, it's not usually the way it is in football where a huge percentage of signings always come day one. But we do have our first commit to University of Idaho. It is a transfer from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. His name is Nolan Bertain. Shooting guard, six foot four, averaged eight point five points per game. By the way, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi is a D one team, so these stats it's reasonable to think they might generalize. Corbett, he averaged eight point five points per game, shooting forty three point two percent from three. Took about four point six threes per game, so that's forty three percent from three on good volume. Averaged twenty seven point six minutes per game. Uh, minor asterisk: Texas A&M Corpus Christi was just about as bad as Idaho. They finished two and nineteen against D one teams, so. My take just from seeing the stats, looking at some tape, he's a sharpshooter. He has an old school jump shot from three, meaning he, he actually releases at the uh, peak of his jump. Most players shoot set, shoot set shots from threes now. Uh, so that's the like minor, minor thing that's different. Doesn't look like a shot creator, but anyone who averages less than 10 points a game in 27 minutes per game isn't a shot creator anyway. So that's not shocking. Uh, could... Could be, uh, looks like a Gabe Cornette kind of player, maybe a little bit more athletic than Gabe Cornette. So um, big picture is this isn't going to be a guy who we win the league because we signed, but relative to how bad we were, any person who has a discernible Division One skill is a step up for Idaho, and he can shoot threes. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then that moves on to soccer news. Speaking of the Lumberjacks, Idaho takes on NAU April 15th, which is Friday. At noon, uh, the Big Sky Conference is a four-team soccer tournament going. We kind of snuck in there last minute thanks to Montana and Eastern result. Uh, winning, uh, winner of Idaho versus NAU will play the winner of Montana versus Northern Colorado, uh, which the Montana series for Idaho, if they were able to get the matchup against Montana, uh, is 0-1 and 0-1, but one of them was in overtime, so it's a matchup Idaho looks pretty good at. That would be uh, the 17th at 3.30. Tune in. These girls are cooking. Uh, up front, you've got Casey Bruce and Maya Marino that are absolutely banging in goals for the Vandals for a piece. It's it's fun. I don't know what to tell you. It's free. It's on Pluto. Tune in. Casey, are you going to be watching? Your Lumberjacks are in it. I will definitely be watching. I want to know, do you know where they're playing at? <laughs> no, I would assume you guys are the one seed, so probably – no, isn't everything being held in Ogden, I believe, actually. I think it's a stationary site. That's why they're doing it in a weekend. Okay. I think everything's right. in Ogden, Utah, uh, or somewhere. The, NAU soccer has been proving themselves these past few years, and they have been really, really good. Uh, last year, their season was ended uh, in the playoffs by Northern Colorado. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm pretty sure NAU will be able to take Idaho pretty fairly. Ooh, all right. We got two games on the line. Closing the bar. Uh, Casey, 
Thank you for joining us. Um, wow, that was loud. Uh, we, we'll be coming to you guys live with a live reaction in about 30 minutes after the game on Saturday. Um, but Casey, let the people know how they can find you, how they can find your podcast. Hey, I am all over the place. If you want to find me on Facebook, just type in NAU Podcast or Casey Everett from my personal. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at NAU Podcast or the NAU Sports Show. Uh, and if you want to find me on YouTube, just it's the NAU Sports Show. Um, if you want to, if you want to message me, I I'm very active on Twitter. Message me there. The are at NAU Podcast. I will respond to any and all of your questions, comments, or whatever you want. Yep, Last ten cool. seconds. Thing to add, really quick, Chris. Marie Duncan sent us in a message uh, asking our listeners to. Uh, we don't typically talk talk about political policy related things on here, but hey, uh, C. Scott Green agrees with us. Contact your legislators, your legislators. Tell them to pass Idaho education, f- edu- higher ed funding bill. It's not it's not the political issue that uh, some people are making it right now. This is a very basic. Hey, these institutions need money to function. Yeah. Uh, we have a special rumor about a Boise State thing that uh, would be absolutely devastating. And and that's us saying, like, don't let Boise State have to do that to themselves. Like, if anything, I, I'm telling you, me, Boise State needs your help. They need the money. And Idaho would surely benefit from it, too, because what's being talked about is absolutely – it's bonkers. Anyways, um, that's it. Uh, well, it's, it's been long enough. Time for the best band on the land center. I do the place out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Jacks.